0: Welcome to Crimes from the East. I'm your host, Pia, and with me is Cousin Alex. Hi, Alex. For the first time ever, we're in the
1: same time zone, Pia. How come? It feels weird. (laughs) How strange. I know. It's also weird because I'm on the continent, but I'm not in the country. I'm uh, hailing from Toronto,
0: Ontario, Canada today. Tim Hortons. Yeah, dude. Nice warm cup of Tim Hortons and and poutine.
1: poutine. (laughs) Oh, my God. Actually, the other day we went to this poutine um, shop. I guess it's well known. I forgot the name. And they had a butter chicken poutine.
0: I tried it, obviously. It could be weird. Sounds like it could be really bad. (laughs) It was. It was quite bad. (laughs) I knew it. It didn't sound like a good mix.
1: It was quite bad, but like underneath the "quote unquote" butter chicken was regular poutine, and that part was delicious. And like the poutine gravy was slightly curried; like they threw some yeah. curry powder into it, and that was not bad. I had I had no issues with that, honestly. But um, yeah, I thought that was funny. At least they tried. Yeah, I feel like there are tons of Indians in Ontario. We need to reach our listeners here
0: somehow because there's like tons of Indian restaurants. Go out and just scream our name from the top of your lungs. Yeah, I should have brought
1: some stickers and like start posting them. So, like, all of the grocery stores that I've been to here, including Walmart, have, like, quite expansive Indian food selection in the, like, international foods aisle. But, like, good stuff. Like, legit, like, Indian store products. Wow. (laughs) So, I should just have taken some stickers with me and, like, posted it in the Walmart, like, Indian food aisle. We would have.
0: Like, on the ghee bottles and... Right. (laughs) On the turmeric packets of turmeric, just our stickers on them that would have been awesome damn next time okay so before we start i just wanted to make a correction off of our last episode where i said that dr michio kaku did the whole love experiment on water remember we did the good vibes and bad vibes oh yeah um thingy <laughs> I misspoke. That was not Dr. Michio Kaku. He is an astrophysicist, like I did mention. This was actually done by Dr. Masaru Imoto, a different doctor who did that love particle experiment. Okay. I just wanted to correct that. I am so embarrassed. Did you catch yourself? Yes, because I, I Googled that experiment again because I wanted to read more about it and if it had been done like in recent times. Yeah. To my horror, it said, Dr. Pasaru Imoto, And I'm like, oh, my God. Ah, uh, No, good for you for catching
1: your own mistake. I feel like usually that's the sort of thing like we would, I mean, we don't really get emails of corrections. But I feel like that's the sort of thing that would come in like a corrections email.
0: I almost wanted to record over our episode and release that. But it would sound bad because it always sounds bad when you add things. So I was like, you know what, I'll leave it in and I'll just uh, correct myself in the next one. So. Nice. All right. And I just want to say I'm so sorry if I misled anyone. But at least I misled you to another notable scientist. Michio Kaku is amazing. He does great work in the field of astrophysics. I
1: think we'll be able to forgive you, Pia.
0: Anyway, today we're going to be taking a trip up north of India to not a true crime, but a mystery up in a lake called Rupkund, the Skeleton Lake. Have you heard about this, Alex? Oh, not at all.
1: But that seems like that could have been our segue since I'm up north and we're going up north for this episode. Very nice.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, in the end, people did die, but we don't know how. So I guess it's better? The mystery, it's it's like some padding. This all began in 1942 when, it, you know, it was just a few years before India gained her independence from the tyranny of the British invaders. At that time, a forest ranger called Hare Krishna Madwal was surveying the foothills of the Himalayas in the northern part of India when he discovered a lake full of skeletons. Oh, my God. Um, what do you even do when you come across a lake full of skeletons and you're by yourself? Get me out of here. How do you deal with that? Some Harry
1: Potter shit right now. There's like a horcrux in the center of the lake.
0: It was an eerie sight, no doubt. And I'm sure it scared the skeleton out of this ranger that day. (laughs) Uh But it unlocked a new mystery for the modern world to solve. Who are these skeletons in Roopkund Lake, and why are they there in the first place? That is what we plan to talk about today. I don't think we're solving this mystery, just spoiler alert. We are not going to solve this mystery today. What? But we can talk about it. No.
1: Oh, we will speculate wildly, as
0: we are wont to do. Now, Roopkund means lake of beauty or beautiful lake. Nice, simple name. Describes it perfectly. Very original. There's no confusion. <laughs> yeah. you know, no layers to this thing. It's like straight up. <laughs> what you see is what you get. It's a beautiful lake. Unless the
1: lake is ugly, then it's sort of funny.
0: Roopkund Lake is truly beautiful. It's an emerald pool located 5,000 meters above sea level. That's like 16,500 feet above sea level. Damn. It's at the bottom of a steep slope on the Trishul Mountain Range, which is one of India's highest mountains. This lake and these mountains are in the state of Uttarakhand in India, in the north of India. I think I've been to this. The lake itself in its deepest parts is no deeper than 10 feet. Oh, it's pretty shallow. Like 6 to 10 feet in depth. All around and it's tiny it's not even that wide hmm. so which is why it's so curious like it's a tiny little pool and so many skeletons all around it what were they doing there yeah it's nestled amid rocky snowy and icy slopes of the mighty himalayas uh sidebar i know i've uh, pronounced this different before like himalayas as most americans do But the correct Sanskrit name or pronunciation for this mountain range is Himalaya. Himalaya. I know it's easy to say Himalaya, but if you want to say it the right way, it's Himalay. Himalay.
1: I have a side note, sidebar. This is like a weird coincidence, a synchronicity that I just started following this account on social media. It's been popping up a lot. I'm not even following it necessarily of this woman who's doing like spooky hydrology Uh basically for the whole month talking about like creepy lakes and creepy bodies of water and like Mm. i wonder if she has covered this one like how crazy is that that like these weird water things have been coming up and now we're talking about it like this was not planned
0: enigmas of the universe we arrive where we arrive we're on a path we don't know to where but it's all connected And I'm by like a giant lake, Lake
1: Ontario. Like what is with lakes right now? I need to ask my astrologist or something.
0: I think you're being drawn into a lake, Alex. Don't go in. Do not go in. Yeah. I do have a fear of lakes, by the way. Just FYI. What about them? They just look super scary to me and I will never ever swim in a lake. Never. I just, I can't.
1: I think I'm with you there. I don't want to swim in the lake. Something about like freshwater bodies grosses me out. I'm like, there's way more potential for things to grow yeah. and live. I don't know, something about the sea and the ocean and the salt feels like very cleansing to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any scientific validity to that sentiment, but that's how I feel about lakes.
0: Well, it also may be from childhood drama, Over an event. I remember we were at this picnic with a bunch of families. I must have been like five. And my dad took me on this little blow up dinghy. You know, these tiny boats, which barely two Mm -hmm. people can fit in. And he's like, oh, let's go across the lake. We'll just, I'll row you over, you know. And as we were going there, he starts joking. He's like, oh, I think the air's letting out of this thing. Oh, I don't know if we'll make it. Oh, maybe we're going to sink. And this whole time my heart was in my throat and i was petrified i couldn't move because i thought we're gonna freaking drown and be like at the bottom of the lake and there's crocodiles everywhere i mean there were no crocodiles but in my mind there were right oh no we're gonna die the whole time i was like we're gonna die we're gonna die we're gonna (laughs) die we're gonna die (laughs) the minute we reached the other end dad's like haha see we made it and then he's like all right you want to go back i'm like get lost i ran around the whole thing (laughs) You're like, hell no, Daddy O. I'll run like half a mile around the whole lake, but I'm not getting back on that thing. (laughs) So maybe it's related to that. I don't know, but I don't like lakes. Okay, let's get back to our story. Now, it's not that easy, but not that hard to get to this lake. I mean, it depends on your level of skill in terms of mountaineering or hiking. Are you experienced or are you a beginner? Because it takes five days to get to this lake. Okay, easy peasy. (laughs) Sounds like a piece of cake. Definitely not something for the uninitiated. Yeah. (laughs) While hundreds of daring mountaineers and hikers stop by Rupkund even today, few if any have perished here in modern times. So it's not a dangerous location. Currently, lots of people go there. Lots of avid hikers who like, you know, being around the Himalayas walk around here all the time. So it's not like people are dying there now. So why are there so many old skeletons here? Was it just really, really bad luck that killed all of those poor souls years ago? And I'll tell you how many years in just a little bit. There are hundreds of theories and possibilities open in this puzzle. Let's solve it, Alex. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Some thought the dead were soldiers from a 13th century army sent by the Sultan of Delhi attempting to invade Tibet. Hmm. Some thought these were simply traitors who lost their way. Some even guessed that this was a body dumping ground of the past. Hmm. We'll go over some of these theories today. Not all of them, but some of them. They all sound possible. Right? Yeah, it could be any one of these things. But you have to find the right clues to be able to conclude that. Yeah. And there are no consistent clues across all of these skeletons to be able to weave that story.
1: I have a theory. This is where you end up when you get lost in the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> it's, it's a portal? Like
0: some sort of portal
1: place. <laughs> <Yeah>. An
0: interdimensional <laughs> portal. I buy it. I believe it. Okay, now let's talk about where this lake is located, which is the state of Uttarakhand. Uttarakhand means the northern land. It is a state in North India and is often referred to as Dev Bhumi, literally the land of the gods, due to its religious significance. There are plenty of temples and pilgrimage sites in the state. With Tibet to the northeast, Nepal to its southeast, and the state of Himachal to its west, Uttarakhand is a place of beauty beauty and surrounded by natural splendor. I've actually been there before. You have? Yeah, randomly. Wow.
1: I went to the Corbett National Park there.
0: That's like a tiger sanctuary. Alex, I'm not even kidding you. My next line is talking about the Corbett Park.
1: What? Oh my God. (laughs) What is this episode? I'm scared. I'm not crossing the street today. I feel like something's going to happen to me.
0: The lifeline of India, the river Ganga, also called Mm -hmm. as the Ganges, is born from the glaciers in Uttarakhand. So it's a very important sacred state or this whole region is very sacred for Hindus. India's number one and also the first national park, the Jim Corbett National Park, which hosts 164 wild Bengal tigers elephants, Indian pythons, and pretty much the entire cast of Jungle Book (laughs) is in Uttarakhand.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see any while I was there, but I was only there for a couple of days.
0: Yeah, you have to be lucky. I think it takes like five days of safaris to be able to spot a tiger. Yeah. These guided tours are run by the state and there are many lovely forest resorts you can stay in. Please go visit like Alex did and help support the conservation efforts of the state park in preserving Uttarakhand's flora and fauna. And please be responsible, tourists. Do not litter. Don't be noisy and, you know, don't bitch if you don't see the animals. They're not on your time.
1: Take nothing but pictures. Leave nothing but
0: footsteps, my friends. Or farts. Those are fine, too. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the farts. <laughs> Oh, the poor tigers, yeah. Not after the poutine. (laughs) Okay. Now, this isn't just a jungle state, by the way. Archaeological evidence supports prehistoric human inhabitation in the region. The region formed a part of the Uttarakuru kingdom during the Vedic age of ancient India, which is thousands of years ago, of the 2nd century BCE. And this kingdom traded salt with Tibet 2,000 years ago. So it's an ancient state. It's got ties to, you know, the surrounding countries and it has an interesting past. It sounds like a very cool place to go back in time and see. Yes. Now, while the area immediately around the lake is isolated, they do have remote villages around. Small hamlets of maybe a few dozen or up to a 100 people like Bimani and Wan. These are situated much lower, though, at lower elevations like 3,000 meters Altitude, so maybe two, three thousand meters below the lake. So that five day journey to the lake would be from one of these yeah. smaller settlements. Okay. Now, why would anyone climb up in these harsh, rocky, and icy conditions? Why? <laughs> why would you do this? Unless you're a white mountaineer out for glory, why would you do this? And even then, why? <laughs> Usually, the answer in such cases is faith, religion, and hope. Nanda Devi is a very significant mountain for Hindus, and people would take sacred pilgrimage to the formidable pile of rocks (laughs) called Nanda Devi in the past. And I'm talking thousands of years ago. Nanda Devi means the mountain goddess who bestows bliss.
1: Interesting. Nanda is what?
0: Ananda. Bliss. Joy.
1: Bliss. Joy. Ananda. And then Devi is goddess. Goddess, yeah. Yeah. This
0: is the second highest mountain in India, the first being Kanchenjunga in Sikkim. At an elevation of 25,000 feet, this is no jaunty walk, by the way. (laughs) You certainly would risk death if you casually attempted to travel here on foot, especially in the distant past. Modern tech gear and stuff have made it possible. But back in the day when all you had was like fur and, I don't know, sticks, (laughs) this would not have been an easy trek. Treacherous. Actually, your chances of returning alive were low. So only those who were wealthy enough to afford the resources would go to this pilgrimage. Or those who had absolute devotion, nothing to lose and everything to hope for went on this perilous journey Hmm. to seek blessings from their goddess. The Indian government declared Nanda Devi and its surrounding national park off limits to visitors in 1983 to preserve the mountain's purity and also to prevent fools from accidents and near certain fatalities in the name of religion. Don't worry, India is not a fascist uh, state, and there are plenty of other sacred sites in India where hundreds of people die in stampedes, landfalls, and extreme weather conditions while on a religious pilgrimage. Just not this one. <laughs> yeah, just not this one. Nanda Devi is off limits. Interesting. Why is she so special? There are also geopolitical borders of conflict nearby, like right Tibet, China, etc., so... So it's just easier to close it all off, yeah. Yeah, you don't want the masses trudging around in this region, basically. Mm -hmm. Now, I mentioned Nanda Devi because Rupkund is kind of, sort of, on the path to Nanda Devi. If you were trying to climb up from the Terai Valley region, you would have to go through Rupkund to get to Nanda Devi. It's not unreasonable to think of this as a pit stop for weary travelers who had still had 16 miles to go as the crow flies to get to their final destination. Is that why they stopped here? Because why else would they be here? There's nothing else. Is this like a
1: very green, pastoral, like scenic? Or are we talking
0: like it's just gray and rocks and austere kind of, right? Yeah. I mean, if you think of the Himalayas, that's what you think of. Ice, snow, rocks. That's it. It's way up there. Nothing grows up there. But that's a good question. So let me describe to you in brief the journey from the valley to the top. To get to this lake, you'd have to start ascending from the Terai Valley area. Then you'd make your way up through thick forests with lots of brush and flora, fauna, all kinds of animals and birds and stuff. Those forests then open up into small meadows with pretty flowers in the springtime. Mm -hmm. And you definitely pass several small shrines made out of stone and adorned with tridents and bronze bells dedicated to Lord Shiva, Ganesha, and Parvati along the way. When you hit slopes above the tree line at 15,000 feet elevation, things will get tricky. Now there's no shelter. There are no trees. There's Just rocks and ice and snow. And you have to arduously navigate up a section of switchbacks on the mountain to arrive at Rupkund.
1: Meanwhile, the air is thinning out. And it's freezing.
0: (laughs) And it's cold. It's cold. And if you make one wrong move now, bam, you're a skeleton at the lake. Damn. All right. You ready for some skeleton talk? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very curious
1: about this discovery, like, many questions. To start with, guess
0: how many skeletons were found here, Alex?
1: 177.
0: Wrong. Because as of the last official attempt to count, uh, Nat Geo says there are up to 700 skeletons around the lake. Jesus. Around the lake or in the lake? In and around the lake. Wow. Wow what happened here? And there could be more, but they just stopped counting because, I mean, I don't know, I guess they they they're like, whatever, there's some skeletons here. We're not spending money. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm counting more.
1: Maybe they're still counting. It's probably complicated to count because, like, you have to divide the skeletons up, sort them out into, like, you know, this is enough skeleton for one person. This is enough skeleton for another. And, like, You know,
0: yeah, it's hard work and it's not easy to do up there at like 15,000 feet or whatever it is. On top of which, since the discovery, many people have vandalized the site, stolen the bones, arranged them in like fancy assortments Mm. and even stolen artifacts that were found around there. So it's not easy to sort it and arrange it anymore. If you were just thinking it's a lake full of a few dozen people who stumbled and fell in the pool, you'd be wrong. Like 700 people do not stumble and fall in that one particular spot by accident. Nope. Maybe
1: there was like a mini
0: kraken in there at some point. A Nessie. In like 10 feet? That's such a cute little monster. Right? Right. Now, initially, when the gruesome site was discovered, it was believed that these were Japanese soldiers from World War I who had died here on their way to invade India, like in some secret mission. That seems like
1: a really random guess to me.
0: Scientists did take DNA samples from several of these skeletons to trace their origins and try to radiocarbon date the bones. The results were a little surprising, and raised more questions than answers to this enigma. Preliminary DNA tests in the early 2000s concluded that the people were South Asian from the 800 AD era, and you know, whatever, it's not too shocking. Indian people went up there and died 2,500 years ago. Okay, big (laughs) whoop. But the latest genome analysis had different results. 38 sets of skeletons were analyzed completely with the latest technology and they found that at least 23 were south asian but from different time periods they weren't one group who came here together and died at the same time they ranged from 7th century and 10th century ad that's approximately like 2500 years ago damn alex that's like
1: this is really over a long a while
0: yeah Like 2,500 years, what the hell were people doing going up here back then? It's crazy. Out of those 38, 23 were South Asian from different time periods. 14 people seem to have died another thousand years later, most likely together in one single event. So they were like one group who died there. Now, whatever may have been the reason, we don't know that. But the baffling detail about these 14 skeletons is that they have Mediterranean ancestry. What? Resembling people from Greece and Crete. Interesting. What? One person was East Asian. Isotopic analysis showed that these people were not related. So it wasn't like one big family traveling together, like migrating or something like that. And the diets of the South Asians and the Greeks were very different. So it's not as if they all lived in a similar location somewhere in India and went up to Roopkun thousands of years apart. Mm -hmm. No. They were people who lived in very different geographical locations, so probably from Greece. So they were distinct groups. They were foreigners in that region. They didn't belong there. Came from pretty far, the Greek ones. The DNA studies co-author Neeraj Rai, who is an archaeogeneticist at the Birbal Zahani Institute of Paleosciences in Lucknow, says, We have tried to answer all possible sources of genetic ancestries of the Roopkun skeletons, but we have failed to answer why Mediterranean people were traveling to this lake and what were they doing there. Yeah, Even the latest scientists have no idea about what's going on. I have a question.
1: Yeah. Uh, Lake science question. Do we know like what is the water source for the lake? Is it snow melt? Is it spring water? Is it like... It's a
0: glacial lake. Rainfall? Okay. Whatever smaller glacial melts occur up there in the mountain forms that tiny, tiny lake. Because there's a little flat area up there. It's like a little cradle between three mountain faces where that lake is formed. I believe there's a very similar looking lake in Colorado. I've seen like videos of this lake. I think it's almost heart-shaped or something. Yeah. And it looks exactly like this. It's not a, at that high of an elevation. People trek there all the time and camp there and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks beautiful, but it's very similar. I'll, I'll find out the name of that lake and post it on Insta later. Okay, so just to expand on that Mediterranean connection a little bit, back in the 1700s, there was a prominent Greek indologist, which is a Greek scholar who studies India, I guess, called Dimitrios Galanos or Galanos, who translated a significant part of Indian mythology and Indian religious philosophical texts into Greek. When was this? Sorry. In the 1700s. End of medieval times. Yep. He was an avid scholar of Hinduism. And he lived and learned in India for 47 years until his death. If he could do that in the 1700s and 1800s, couldn't there have been different groups of Grecians who were intrigued by Hinduism and the philosophy enough to have traveled here thousands of years ago? It's just like, how are they even getting
1: to India? It seems so far. You have to cross the Black Sea
0: the is that the Adria no the caspian sea i mean we had trade routes by sea they would come by sea not by land
1: so they would what cross the mediterranean and then what the gulf of aden yes so like down through
0: gujarat and then over from gujarat and up that's just so freaking far I know, but we've had trade routes with them for a millennia, Alex. So it's not like no one was coming here from there.
1: Right. I was going to ask if we're like on the Silk Road or something a
0: bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how they got to India. And then what they did from wherever they landed was up to them, right? Up to their interests. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure a lot of these scholars and philosophers came on those trade boats and forged ahead up into the Himalayas it's possible. A lot of our gods share eerie nuances. Zeus and Indra are both kings of gods who live on Mount Olympus and Mount Meru, respectively. Both wield Mm -hmm. the lightning bolt as a weapon. True. Coincidence? (laughs) Yama and Hades were lords of the underworld and were both accompanied by their guard dogs named Sharvara and Cerebris, respectively. Oh, pretty similar. similar, right? That's spooky. Both Kamadeva and Cupid are love imps who wield bows and arrows to shoot love into the hearts of people.
1: <sighs> okay,
0: so like, who
1: copied who? Or did they both, like, steal it from a a third party? Who do we need to pay royalties to, right? Or was this all just, like, real and witnessed just on two sides of the planet?
0: Mmm, there you go. (laughs) Haha. These are the things that I love to research and talk about. Yeah, these are the aliens. Ancient aliens. Okay, now the skeletons of Rupkund Lake consist of both male, female, and also children as well. Oh, well, What were kids doing up there? There are no signs of horses, weapons, or battle found at the lake. The remains were of apparently healthy individuals, commonly in the age groups of 18 to 35. So it's not even older folk. Or I don't know, maybe 35 was old back then. Yeah, I was just thinking that's like probably... That's probably old age back then. It was probably like their end of life uh, sacred pilgrimage. They're like, oh, I'm 35. It's time to die. Time to go. Time to go. I better go see my goddess. We would be close to death. We would be dead, I think. By now. 2,500 years ago, dead.
1: We're definitely old spinsters. Well, not you so much, just me.
0: (laughs) Well, they were healthy. They didn't seem to suffer from any. Famine or any common disease among all of them. So it wasn't like a colony where they sent the sick to perish, so to speak. And as for lost traders, a few could be lost from the well known, usual safer paths to Tibet. But 700? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh -uh. And uh, traders don't usually travel with their wives and kids. What was found there? Religious sundries, bamboo parasols, slippers, seashell bangles, necklaces, and big blunt force trauma fractures in the skull. What? (gasps) Oh, the plot thickens. Mm. Many of the skeletons had injuries in their skulls, which looked like cricket ball size objects had pelted down on their heads. And many of these people seem to have been killed in their tracks. Okay. Catastrophic hailstorms like that are possible. They're possible in that Hmm. region. Maybe that's what caused their deaths? Like a golf ball-sized hail? Not golf ball. Cricket ball. So like double the size of a golf ball. Cricket ball-sized hailstone? Damn. That's nuts. There is no shelter up there. There are no trees you can cower behind or under. You'd be a sitting duck. If hail the size of baseball started raining down, with no mercy. (gasps) That would suck. What would you do? Actually, you might be safer under the water. Yeah. Right? I don't even know. I feel like I would curl up in a ball. Actually, recent landslides unearthed even more skeletons up (laughs) on the mountain, right next to the lake. They found a woman folded in half under a rock slab literally folded in half. She still had flesh on the bone that they were able to. What? Analyze. It got preserved somehow. Mhm. The cold climate preserves a lot of the True. biomaterial up there. Even on Mount Everest, all the climbers who have perished there in the last whatever 75, 80 years or so are still their there. bodies are still up there and a lot of them just look like they're sleeping. That's so freaking scary. That's why they're able to get so much genetic material from them. Um, I guess the bone still has marrow or the hair still has follicles, whatever it is. They're mm-hmm. able to study them extensively, which is great. They're yeah. just not able to connect the dots <laughs> just yet. Now, there is an old folk song here, which talks about a king going on the Raj Jut pilgrimage, which is done every 12 years to Nanda Devi. Mm-hmm. And he went there with his queen and his entire entourage with much fanfare. In fact, it was too much fanfare because he had dancing girls and other vices on this sacred journey, which enraged the goddess Nanda. And she smite them with iron balls, which fell from the sky and killed them all. Wow. <laughs> Sound familiar? Like, that sounds very much like what may have happened to these people. Yeah. But iron balls? Why did they say iron balls? They know what hail is. People aren't stupid. They know exactly what hail is. They have words for it. Yeah, I don't know what you mean. So why are they calling them iron balls? Is there truth hidden in these silly songs? What is it? You think these are like UFOs in the area? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was just like hail, but really dirty hail. Gutter water hail. Oh, no. That's even worse. (sighs) <sighs> there are woo-woo theories out there that the Yeti got them because they <laughs> oh, disturbed nice. them on a water trip to the lake. This was his pool. They should do
1: like a Shrek remake where it's the Yeti and that's his, that's his swamp.
0: <laughs> there are actually so many really nice movies about um the Yeti or Abominable Snowman. I've seen a few in the last few years and I love them. They're so sweet. I think one was called Abominable. I like that one. It's nice. Also, like I mentioned before, UFOs are seen often in the Himalayas, especially around Chandratal Lake, Mount Kailash and Mansarovar Lake. Hmm. So it's not unusual. There have been lots of UFO sightings by scientists and the <laughs> army, Indian army, Chinese army, and uh, Israel scientists, they're on a scientific mission. And they yeah. all saw, like, a UFO flying humanoid-shaped thing up in the mountains. Humanoid-shaped thing? Yeah, something like a flying robot kind of thing. What? This is in the 90s. Not now. Not oh recently, God. where it could be a drone. But back in the 90s. And many people have seen strange lights coming in and out of the lake, over near Mount Kailash. Oh my god, spooky. At the end, we don't really know much more about why these skeletons are in Rupkund. more than when we started researching them back in the 1950s. All we know is that several different groups of people, not all South Asian, visited this lake hundreds and even thousands of years apart and just died there under mysterious circumstances. Could they all be weather-related deaths? Probably, but maybe not. (laughs) Let your speculations fly and please write into us and tell us what you think happened in Lake Rupgund. And if you plan to go there or if you've been there, I want to hear from you because I'm so intrigued. I've watched so many videos of this on YouTube. It looks like a beautiful place. I'm going to do that once we sign
1: off today. Mm-hmm. I need to learn more now. I just can't believe they haven't figured it out cuz you would think that with the technology and the historical like knowledge that we have, they but I guess this whole thing of like the site having been disturbed and not really properly preserved, like I guess key information could have been
0: there that just got lost. In all probability, it was related to religious pilgrimage and Weather, some kind of bad weather killed them all. Occam's razor would say that's the reason. Yeah, <laughs> But it could be something weird. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe I'd say it was UFOs. I wanted to be UFOs. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was the little mystery for today. And I'm just going to recommend a Bollywood movie for Bollywood Corner today. This is... Not related to anything we talked about today, except for the fact that it's based in a mountain town. The movie is called Forensic. It's actually a really nice psychological thriller. Okay. It's based in a town called Masuri, which is in North India. It's a mountain town, so it has a similar feel of what Uttarakhand might look like. It is a serial killer movie, and there's a whole forensic team trying to catch this killer who abducts and dismembers little girls who go missing on their birthdays yeesh heavy it is heavy it's macabre but it's well done and it is thrilling it'll keep you at the edge of your seats it's a well-made movie nice. go watch it it's on i don't know where it is <laughs> i'm sure it's streaming somewhere it's on the internet believe in yourself yeah you'll find it it's called <laughs> forensic go watch it cool And that's all we had for today. You have anything else to add, Alex? Any thoughts? Any final theories? Hmm, I'm going to be staying away from the lakes for a while. That's all I know. All signs point to stay away from the lakes. Stay away from the lakes.
1: Oh, do you remember this movie called The Lady in the Water?
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) I do. I don't actually remember what was the explanation of that movie. I just remember it being kind of bad.
0: I think what they were saying was that this mermaid was swimming into the pool from a lake or something. I don't know what the hell it was, but I think she was a mermaid.
1: Yeah, maybe there's a mermaid up there.
0: Wee little Himalayan mermaid. In like a Canadian goose jacket, like down jacket. Or <laughs> right. <laughs> like a glove for her tail. One glove.
1: I kind of like the idea that it's haunted or cursed or like there's something just malevolent. It's very spooky, dude.
0: It's like they're going to find their goddess and instead they're finding some... Demon. Demon. Demon's like, I'm sorry, you are on the naughty list. You're not going up there. <laughs> Boop. <sighs> well, with that, I think you can tell people what they should do. Oh, yeah, um,
1: it's that time people rate us, review us, give us some stars, tell us what you think um on I think Spotify. you can do it, Apple music, all of the podcast apps. you can check us out on instagrams at Crimes from the East. Our website is also there. And if you would like to support us, become a Patreon
0: or send Pia a cup of coffee to help her through the long nights researching. And also, please share with your friends and family, your enemies and your exes. Just, you know, send them a link and be like, hey, listen to this. (laughs) I think you deserve to listen to this. Yeah. Cryptids and lake fans. Exactly. It could be a gift. Or a curse. I'm happy with both, (laughs) just as long as you share. There you go. Thank you for listening, and join us again in a couple weeks for the next episode of Crimes from the East, your desi true crime podcast with a little masala and spice. Spice. Namaste. Namaste. Stay out of the lake. Stay out of the lakes.
1: (laughs) Stay away from the lakes. Go to the beach.
0: Yeah. Bye. Bye.